Hello, and welcome to A Voice Calling in the Wilderness, a trumpet call, a voice crying out loud for God to those that would hear so that they would run to him, that they might be warned. Here we are sounding the alarm that our time on earth is short and that we have no time to waste. Here we will expose the truth, teach the word, discuss the dangers, lies, and enemies we are surrounded by, and how to engage in the war that we are standing in the middle of. Today we're going to talk to our friend Oleg about Irina and what's going on over in Ukraine, and uh, he's going to give us an update. And we uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Glad to be here. Glad to be here with you, J.D. So uh, a few weeks ago, we had Irina come on and talk to us about the amazing work that she's doing in helping to rescue orphans and, and children and people out of the war-torn areas of Ukraine as they're being attacked by Russian forces and some of the harrowing tales that she told us about the journey to get that those people out and into the safety. Um, can you give us just a, a quick synopsis update on that part of what she's doing and how, how that's been going? Yeah, absolutely, JD. Well, first of all, thank you again for having me here. And uh, last time we had a absolute uh, great time with Irina, my sister Nella, and, and myself here, just spending time and <clears throat> listening to all the stories and everything what's been going on. So ever since she went back to Ukraine, a couple of days right after our podcast, and we've been staying in touch with her <clears throat> almost on a daily basis. And um, a few updates happened <laughs> recently. So first off, she uh, relocated herself out of uh, Kiev, where she used to live, um, because it is still in a, quite a bit of a danger zone. And now she's on, in Western Ukraine. <clears throat> so when she got back, she was really, really um, just bombarded with different issues and uh, information and everything what was what's been going on. Um, we've been blessed by uh, so many people and supporters of the ministry, um, your show and uh, New Hope Church and other uh, churches and fellowships that we were able to actually buy our own bus, minibus, to so we can rescue more uh, children. So this way we are not dependent on outside sources. Mm -hmm. And uh, we continue to have brave young men just going out, going into the danger zone, the zones that are heavily occupied and heavily under uh, artillery and uh, bombing and was able to... Um, to remove all the children and those that are they're suffering greatly. So we've done several trips already. Uh, we are at uh, just our little group. We were able to mm, evacuate uh, nearly 600 children. Wow. Most of them, um, bigger half of them, are actually in the foreign countries uh, mm -hmm. at the moment. So they're in uh, great safety. Um, we just, every time that happens, we get, uh, pictures and just stories how they, uh -huh. they're in safety and just, um, you know, uh, clearly we get all the stories that come along with that, you know, um, it, because as, as we all know, it's been already going on for two months. So some of these kids been in, um, bump shelters or, right. or, or subways or, uh, um, basements of, of buildings for for this as long as 60 days. Mm. So they haven't seen the light. They haven't tasted the food. Uh, you know, some of them just been starving all this time. 
So not having water and uh, list goes on and on and on, right? So just it is just amazing to see those kids coming back to life, you know. And uh, and workers and so our supporters and volunteers, they just um, you know pray with them and bring them to back to the life as they they knew f formerly, right? So that yeah. that's a that's a wonderful uh, sight to see. So sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say that I, I know that uh, like. Any military operation, missions change. And I know you're, we'll talk in a little bit, but I know Irina's has changed a little bit now too. But I wanted to ask a couple questions before we got there about, so you, you kind of started to get into it with the things that these children were doing without for so long. And then Maybe you can describe what these kids are going through as they're getting to these safe places and they see these people welcoming them and all of the the love and care that is just being showered on them. What's, what's that like for these kids? Are, are, I mean, are they just overwhelmed or are they kind of going through some shell shock? I mean... Absolutely. Yeah. So I was just talking to my sister who was uh, having a conversation with Irina literally last night. And uh, they just received a group of kids uh, that just came from Mariupol area, and they've been into. Uh, obviously, this this is probably the, the the biggest battleground right now, Mariupol. It's the southeast of Ukraine, and um, you know those children. They came, and they were all different uh, ages. They're, they're they're ranging from seven years old all the way to eighteen. And uh, they were placed in, in western Ukraine in one of the small towns in, in a church um, just so they can kind of come back to normal. And the workers and the uh, brothers and sisters who of that church, they, they're spending time with them during the night. And they said they, they haven't seen anything, any that kind of a shell shock to that degree. I mean, you literally see the kids are just shaking, waking up every five minutes, just trying to listen in if there's anything exploding or because for past almost 60 days, they've been just under bombings. They've been under under explosions. So, mm -hmm. you know, little kids just, it's it, it just a horrendous period of time for them right. to get back to normal. Now, those that have been uh, evacuated earlier, there were much, much better um, situations. So clearly, uh, no question about it, they're extremely happy uh, to be out just, just to see, just to see it at daylight, <laughs> just to see sun shining. You know, uh, we've seen uh, pictures of uh, these kids riding in a bus and all of them just looking out the window, looking at the sun because they haven't seen it in so, so long. Yeah. yeah, it reminds me of some of the stories we heard about the Jews that were hiding during World War II, and they would be in the walls of houses or yeah. in attics, and they wouldn't be out for weeks or even months. So I can imagine that yeah. that at some point you wonder if you ever are going to get out of that situation. Yeah, and some, <clears throat> you know, uh, that is a definitely a tough question to answer. Um, gratefully, gratefully, we do have, you know, in modern day and age, we have a little bit better communication. Mm -hmm. um, so so they do stay in touch with a lot, uh, you know, the local government and, and then the central government is staying in touch with with all the either fighters and, and the same thing as um, regular people. 
So, you know, they do have hope. Uh, I, I must say, you know, they have That's hope. And uh, they know the things will not always going to be like that. And amongst them, the, the, the great thing is that amongst them, there's always some kind of a believer for s somehow. And they give them even better hope. They have the, they give them the hope of eternity, eternal life. So we see, and I'm sure we'll get into that, there is just so many uh, miracles that's happening that God is just providing the way out from different mm -hmm. situations. That's yeah. awesome. So do you, do you hear of other missionaries now going there and, and helping from other nations? Absolutely. We see a lot of American missionaries going out. Matter of fact, uh, someone that I know personally, um, their son uh, assembled a group of young men and women, um, about 10 of them, <clears throat> and they, they're from New York State, and they went out to Bucha. We all know what happened in Bucha. Mm -hmm. So they were able to bring uh, with them a lot of humanitarian help, um, a lot of... Uh, things like food and uh, just medical support and things like that. And they went out there, and this young man, even though he's got a young family, but as soon as he got back, he, he was there for two weeks, and he said, you know what, I'm assembling a new team, and I'm going there for a couple of months. Because they just, they just said it's one thing to see it on TV, to hear it, but once you see it, you see these atrocities that's happening, you just can't stay away from that. Now, <clears throat> you definitely... Uh, there's a big concentration of missionaries on the border of Poland and Ukraine because this is the main um, doorway for Ukrainians to um, men, for, for women and children to go to other countries. Now, the, there is something, there's a little misinformation that's been kind of out there, and I just want to clear the air a little bit, that there are a lot of men are escaping and... Um, government is uh, stopping them. So initially when the war happened, some men were escaping. And, uh, but now at this point, we see thousands of thousands of men returning because they don't want to leave their country to be alone while everybody else is fighting for the land. So we see older, elderly, uh, women and children, those are the ones that are going to safety, as rightfully so, they should. Um, but young men, they're returning home and they're picking up arms to go defend. Well, it's one thing to take your family and get them to safety and then yeah. come back because you want to make sure they get settled and that they're not just going to live in the ditch somewhere, right? Yeah. So a as a responsible man, you <clears throat> want to make sure your family is safe before you go off and fight. Yes. So I, I think that's a completely understandable position for anybody to be in, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate you doing that because there's a lot of misinformation that seems to be swirling around this whole situation. Unfortunately, our world loves drama. And th th this has this has created a, a giant drama monster. And both people on the left and people on the right are, are equally guilty in playing into the drama of misinformation and, and partial truths, half-truths. And some things are just completely wildly made up on and I don't think that there's very, very many people that are innocent in that at this time um, from a media standpoint. And then, right. as we talked on the pre-show, many of us can become guilty of passing that information along, that false information, because we didn't do our own research to verify 
what we're reading is true or not. We just blindly trust certain people, and then they can mislead us, and they can say things that aren't true, and then we get guilty of sharing that. And then depending on how many people pay attention to what you say online, mm. you could be influencing hundreds or thousands of other people. Absolutely. With incorrect information. Yeah. Yeah. I I am I think we're blessed because we have you who actually have some people on the ground in the country that know exactly what's going on firsthand and you're able to discern that against what you're seeing in the media here to filter out what's not true and what is with, with because you know the from the experiences of these folks that are there. Um, and then you, you were kind enough to share that information with us. So we appreciate that because information is, is in, and knowledge is power. And if you don't have the good information to share with people, then you, you shouldn't speak quite honestly, right? Yeah. Um, and, and we're just in an age where everybody wants to talk, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if what they're saying is true or not. They just want to have their opinion out there for people to hear. So I, yeah. I do greatly appreciate you coming in and explaining things to us. I mean, it's there's tragedy is happening over there that is it's unbelievable. You you describe the the uh, the crimes, if you will, in the in the uh, um, the the uh, oh I lost my train of thought. Yeah. Never do that on air. Everybody listens and laughs. <laughs> um, no, you you were talking about the um, tragedies that are happening, yeah. And not all of the tragedies are physical, and not all of right. the tragedies are necessarily even militarily related. But there are crimes and tragedies that are happening in people's lives that are spiritual in nature, that are personal in nature, and are criminal, not military, but yeah. criminal. Yeah. And, and that is kind of lets us move into what we were talking about a little bit ago where Arena's mission has sort of changed because now she's dealing with some young girls who had crimes committed against them of the most heinous type. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's exactly what's uh, kind of a little bit of a new chapter for Arena and even, uh, you know, this this mission team, if you will, uh, because now we see, you know, as, as Russians troop left certain areas, specifically like Bucha, Irpin, and now, you know, we're, we're trying to get them out of the Mariupol area, and we see what they left behind. Mm-hmm. What they left behind, it was just death, destruction, and everything that comes with that. It's, 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 it's a perfect... Um, parallel to what Jesus was was saying in, in John 10. It says, the thief comes to, st- to kill, steal, and destroy. And I come to give you life, an abundant life, right? Yes. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're those thieves. They're those enemies of uh, not just physical enemies and as an army, but they are it, it just their tool of the devil himself. They're coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's exactly what they were doing. They were destroying everything in their path. They were killing everything in, the, in there, everything that was alive. They were even, even killing dogs and, and cows and, and, and horses, everything in, wow. in their path. And they're stealing. I mean, think about it. They're sending, they're stealing toilets 
out of people's houses, uh, washing machines, dryers, sent back to their to them to, to 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 their homes in Russia. This is what kind of people. This is what kind of people we're dealing with. They're acting so, like the Hun used to act. They're Huns, yes, the Hun and Mongolians, you know. Uh, but yes, yeah, so so with that being um, kind of out in the open. Irina and her team and rest of the country now have a whole new different issues to deal with because now you have young young women, children, young little yeah, girls. Yeah, let's not call them women because some of these are 10-year-old girls. They're 10-year-old girls and younger. They've been raped, uh, literally gang raped for days, and a lot of them are pregnant. So you have a, a, a physical destruction and, and violent and violation against the person, but you also have a spiritual and, uh, and mental issues that comes along with that. So, uh, Irina, we've been blessed to, to, you know, to work alongside with her because she is not only a godly woman who believes in, in miraculous and believes in, in spiritual healing, um, but also she's, uh, she is uh, a psychiatrist right. by, by trade, so coupled with that, and because God been preparing her for past eight years uh, since for, uh, since the beginning of war, eight years ago, she's been dealing with those issues already uh, on a much, much smaller scale, obviously. So now they, they actually called her up um, from the government and they asked her to really spearhead that because they are not prepared. You know, like who is prepared for something like that? This, this was just well, that's the not most, part of war. You don't expect it's that. It's not. Yeah, it's not in, in the perimeter. Of war. You know, war, everything has rules. Even yes. war has rules. Yeah. So we, we do have rules, and, and this is outside rules of war or war in, uh, or engagement. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yes. This, this is even even during even during German occupation. You know, my my mother and my father, they were little kids back then. They told me stories. They said they never ever witnessed anything like that. They never they ever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, the world has never looked kindly on people that harm children and, and women. And, and that's what it is right now. So now, um, Irina actually, I just found, actually, we found out that today they begin this camp. Um, so she has the first um, uh, first group of young uh, women and girls that, to come in. There's 102 of them uh, this week, and then she's going to have another 100 coming in. And she's going to be spending time with them for next, uh, over a week, about 10 days. So there's a lot is being involved. So she's going to be having some one-on-one -on -one conversation, but mainly just bringing them to God because, you know, a human, a person can never, ever get out of this without God's oh, no. inter intervention. Yeah. So you have to have God's presence and God's mercy and grace to go through that. So and that and that's what she is uh, spearheading while her rest of her teams are still doing what they were doing originally. So we're still running buses. We're still trying to get uh, people out. And now they're they're even getting regular civilians out of the areas that they can. Um, obviously, as we know right now, Russia just threw 
all their military might in the area of Donbass region, and they're trying to kind of connect Russia through Ukraine all the way to Moldova. And uh, so the heavy, heavy uh, fighting is happening over there. Um, but we believe, we believe that this is just for a uh, short time. We believe that it's going to be a short time. Okay. This is, this is going to be over soon. <laughs> so hopefully you can give us a good report. The young man that we heard about that was so brave to drive that bus, is he still at it? He's still at it. The young man is still at it. They are physically wiped. <laughs> That's this, the last this, thing this they This young were. man deserves a medal if, this, if something will This young man over. will get a medal. If not here, then up there. <laughs> I mean, in Eternal Kingdom. What, what an incredible. Yes. What an incredible young person to go out there and just continually sacrifice for and, and, and I tell you, but your neighbors. And because of his bravery, there's other young men there they're coming together to, to do the same. So That's great uh, so yeah, so she's has just a tremendous team. They are you know, we have this uh saying overworked and underappreciated. <laughs> so there I, I and I'm going to speak a little bit about something I heard on the news, but I want to just ask about it a bit more than anything. But because I'm curious, is I heard that there was some issues with uh, uh, the nuclear power plant being hit or some nuclear issue with Chernobyl or something. Is that threatening the people as well at the same time? Or is that a media blow up? Um, yes and no. So there is no immediate threat of that because that that plan has been uh completely neutralized since the explosion in 1980s okay so it's never been working again however the 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 issue is that the, the russian troops occupied that area and they stirring up all that uh dust, dust. yeah all the dust which, um, is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that that should be left alone for like 100, 200 years, mm -hmm, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's only been 40, right? So that dust is still around. And so that could get the atmosphere. That can get in atmosphere. Mm. But it's not like a nuclear explosion right, like right. it was in back in the 80s. So at the moment, we have other bigger threats than that to, to worry about. Some of the media outlets wanted us to be really afraid of that for some reason. I don't yeah, know. I think it's... Uh, I think yes. there, was, there were two stories, though. That's that's one of the biggest new co-op. Yes, that one was the... Um, that, that one was threatening, absolutely, because that's an active uh, power plant, and it actually has... If I'm not mistaken, five more reactors than the Chernobyl did. Oh, okay. So if that would blow up, that would be basically a shockwave of times five, as it was before. Mm. So that was uh, critical, but uh, thank God it is no longer critical at the moment. Uh, now we don't know what might happen tomorrow, but at the moment it's not. They tried to bomb it, but uh, thank God God gave them a little bit better judgments and they stopped. Um, so That's good. at the moment it's, it's been neutralized that threat. So, um, Ukraine is very important in the world when it comes to food. Mm -hmm. How, how has that food production, specifically wheat, do you know yeah. how, how that's being impacted right now? It's, it's gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna be in trouble. I mean, are the farmers basically, I, I don't think here in America, 
people don't have a concept of what war is. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it, it's not like, you know, you see in movies, right, that it's over, always over there somewhere. When it's happening in Ukraine, yeah. the farmers, if they're in the <laughs> direct a, a area, they're not farming. They're not farming, and that's absolutely right. Right now is the time to till the ground and to sow seed. Okay. Uh, it's it's a springtime, you know. Uh, no Florida over there. <laughs> <laughs> it's still but, kind of cool. Yeah. So the 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 snow is off, and and right now is the time. Obviously, they cannot do that. Although in certain areas that are quieter in the western mm -hmm. part, they're still doing it. But just to give you kind of a an idea, the Ukraine is has thirty percent. Um, thirty percent of of wheat of entire world, right? And mainly, it is it supplies Europe and Middle East all the way through some African countries, right? So if that is cut off, those countries will have to go and look somewhere. Where they're gonna go? They're gonna go to Brazil. They're gonna go to the United States. What does that mean to us? We get less. We get less. What does it? What does it? What does it do to prices? It's gonna go more, more, right? Yeah. So because of that, and thirty percent, you know, kind of out of hundred, it doesn't seem that much, but it is a lot. It's a huge number of wheat. Oh yeah. We have uh, there's buckwheat. There is uh, other grains. I can think of up my head. Uh, Ukraine is the number one producer of. Uh, well, the uh, winter red wheat is the number one used for bread. Yes, yes, yeah. And because I I come from wheat country, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, we raised a lot of wheat. Yeah. And uh, I know that uh, it's it's an important product for the world when it comes to to all the bread products, cereals, sure. everything. You know, your breakfast cereals, all of that comes from mm -hmm. wheat. And. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So so when we think about that, you know, we live here in the United States, we have some of our own. Think about the impact on other countries. You know, we we might we might not have that coffee latte, but we'll you know, we'll we'll have enough money to buy the bread product, right? Right. But there's some some people in other countries that live on the budget as it is. And now that's going to spike. Yeah, there's some countries where people's some issues. daily salary is a loaf of bread. That, that's right. And, and I know here in the West, that's not something we really can even imagine for the most of us. I mean, there are some people here that do live closer to that mean, but for the most of us, that's not the case. And we can't even imagine working an entire day, and mm -hmm. I'm not talking about an eight-hour day, probably a 12-hour day to get a loaf of Wonder Bread. Yeah. No, digging a ditch or doing some other hard manual labor, you yeah. know, yeah. you know, harvesting a crop maybe. You know, outdoors where it's hot. Um, yeah, I just think it's a little bit important for people to understand why Ukraine is important to the world for us to help defend yeah. and and why we in the Western culture should be advocates for, for that nation and what's going on there because everything, we're so connected in the world today. Um, no, no country really is standing on their own especially European nations and NATO nations, we're very, very connected. And what happens in one of our other nations impacts all of us. Yeah. And we in in the United States may not run out of wheat because we grow it here, but we're certainly likely to have much less than we're accustomed to. 
And so those those folks over there are looking at an ex- existential crisis of not being able to eat sometimes. We're just going to have to pay five, six times more and sure. have m- fewer choices. Right. You may not have 20 different types of bread on the shelf anymore, maybe two, right? You might get wheat and white of one brand, and it's going to be $20 a, a bundle maybe. But yeah. it's going to impact us, and we need to understand that we can't be the kind of people that can and say anymore, you know, what's over there, let it say, we shouldn't get involved. You know, one, <clears throat> you know, these are, we're commanded as believers to always protect and help the, the widow and the children. Yeah. The widow and the orphan, right? And if we are failing in that, if we're unwilling to stand up when somebody is being brutalized, then we're not following our faith. We're not following what we are, what our, our Christ taught. No. And so it's important for us to have that compassion to be able to recognize when people are being brutalized and and things are happening that shouldn't. Forget wars. Wars happen, right? But war isn't the brutalization of people. And what Irina is dealing with and what these other people are dealing with, what they're doing to civilian women and children is unconscionable. I mean, it's crimes against humanity, if you ask me. Yes. We should be all very up in arms about it, very angry, and and want to do everything we can to to support them and fight against the brutality. Absolutely. Well, it goes to uh, you know, as we know, the story of Good Samaritan. You know, are we who are we? Which one are we? Mm. Are we that Good Samaritan that goes by, down down the road, or are we one of those priests that that, that goes by and looks at it, shakes his head? And just goes about their business, right. you know, and and that's and that's why it's. Uh, you asked me earlier before the show, what do I feel and how I felt about this. One thing I tell you, it's uh, one thing what's difficult for me or for someone who was born there and uh, understanding the nation and my heart hurts for him. You know, um, is you constantly have to balance when you talk. Because to me, when I talk with my family, we're constantly talking about what's going on, about the war. Mm-hmm. But when I come and sit down with you, right, you might ask me, hey, how's it going? I'll answer a few questions. But then we go about our normal life. But to me, in the depth of my heart, what's happening here and with me in my life right now, it's not as important as these little girls are being raped right now. Right. You see? I get that. But to people who live here who don't have a, a connection, mm-hmm. with them it's kind of out of sight, out of mind situation, you see. So living daily, it becomes almost like additional chore, who you speak and what you speak, because you also don't want to be overpowering. I, I can't be coming into your houses only talking about this, because sooner or later you're going to say, oh, like, I love you, brother, but... Uh... <laughs> no, I won't do that to you, I I'm promise. not going to hang out with you anymore, right? No, but that brings up a really good point. Yeah. We are supposed to help our brothers carry burdens. We should, yes. And, and we as believers need to understand that. You, you, you being a Ukrainian-American, are not the last person that is going to have this issue. 
because we have people here that are Moldovian Americans. Right. We have Polish Americans. Mm-hmm. Both of those people are under currently under threat. These are our neighbors. You, they are our family and neighbors, our friends. And if we cannot support you in this and we can't support them, then who are we? Because that is what our job is as a believer. We are to help each other carry the burdens of life. We can't just be talking about, you know, the football game or, or, you know, what movie we're going to be seeing. Those things don't matter. These things that are going on over there right now and the, and the emotions and, and the struggles that you and your family are going through, those things matter. And, and we should be listening and we should be caring for you because it's a hard thing to be so far from your home. I'm certain that you would rather be over there fighting with your, your brothers to keep your country free, to, to keep those girls from getting attacked again. Yeah. You know, I was just talking with my cousin, uh, my second cousin who lives in Ukraine, and uh, her brother uh, went to um, join the army, even though he's not currently in the army, but he joined. And because uh, he says, you know, that's my duty. Mm-hmm. I'm here to defend my, my home. And, um, you know, he's in his 30s, <clears throat> and he's gone through training, ro- very robust, very good training. Um, they feed him very well. He says he's being trained really, really well. In, in one month, he's becoming a true, true soldier. And uh, we asked him, we said, you know, what can we do for you from here? He says, listen, I have everything. Ukrainian military supplied everything for me that I need. All I need is just prayers. Mm-hmm. Prayers, number one. Number two, tell people the truth. Tell them what's happening here. Tell them what's happening here. Spread the word to those listeners of podcasts like these. This is happening. And uh, if that doesn't stop now, that will spread out. That will get bigger. So I appreciate your podcast support and you guys. and all the listeners who are listening right now, spread the word. And as we earlier mentioned, make sure that the word that you're spreading has truth. Oh, yeah. And it's verified. Absolutely. Because there is so much uh, wrong information. Because right now, the information has a lot of value. It's a war of information as well. So so it's very, very important to, to, to spread the right uh, right information. Yeah, and information wins or loses wars, too. Yes. Because if the wrong information gets out, then support for the Ukrainian government, Ukrainian military could falter. And and if that could happen, then th- that would be a tragedy for the people. Yeah. Um, there's so much weight put on the court of public opinion. and Too much. Yeah. And, and governments make decisions based upon what they think their electorate want. And so if the wrong information gets out there and then they get this loud voice for incorrect information, then the decisions can be made upon that that could put people in harm's way, could cost you know people their lives. And we have to be very cognizant of that. And... Um, we have to be careful, I think, 
Exactly as you've talked before, we have to be discerning in what we're hearing and go yes. and check. Absolutely. Does this align with other the other pieces of information that I can find? And, and I got to be honest with you, I, I lost my trust in the mainstream media a long time ago. <laughs> I, I think that once they become corporate entities that were about making money, that they weren't trustworthy anymore. Because it wasn't about the truth, yep. it was about the money. And I would add to it on both sides of the aisle. Oh, absolutely, I agree. No, no, I I don't watch Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, any of those. I don't watch them because I don't trust anything they say because I know everything they say is measured against what, what it will get them in money. Yeah, yeah. And I find that independent journalists are far more courageous in their reporting because they have to go seek something that is the truth because the mainstream is not reporting it and they are just barely getting by and people are listening to them because they're being honest. And so I think it's far more important to go find somebody that's willing to not follow a narrative, not follow a talking point of either the left or the right hand parties in this country. And if you can find somebody that's somewhere in the middle, that's telling you something that either side, neither side would be, very supportive of, it's likely more true. Yeah, And it's true. probably easier to go and find more information that would align with that in the real world than it is in Hollywood, you know, news studios, because it's what they are to me. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right about that. You're absolutely right. And I would say if, if um, listeners want to know the truth and, and want to know the correct um news they need to align themselves with someone who is more from over there right and uh, who speaks the language who has a connection directly you act like speaking the language makes a difference on whether or not you understand what's going on come on now <laughs> oh yeah makes a, <laughs> makes a big difference um uh, so you know, but you mentioned something about the sermon you know and it's funny that uh, you, you mentioned that um I was talking with Jeremy who's your guest here before with mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. and uh, we were we were discussing it and I said that um, you know in, in, in Paul writes that to be careful to have a discernment in, in last in the last ages right because yes. there's gonna be so much um, wrong information and lies spread in the with the gospel right and we were discussing then I said you know, if people cannot discern right now whether war is happening or not, because there's some but still believe that, that it's all false information. Oh, wow. I hadn't heard that. If you cannot say what black and white is right now, how much more discernment you need to discern a correct preacher or the word of God? Good question. Think about that. Think yeah. about that. I mean, if you cannot discern what this guy is reporting— how can you discuss a depth of the Word of God and discern it correctly? Really good question. You know? And we know that the times um, that are coming at us not, are going to be far more deceitful and filled with lies yeah. than even today is. Yeah. And today, it is very hard, very hard to find the truth. You have to work. I'm afraid that people are 
are unwilling to do the work. That, that's my concern. Yeah, it, it is. And, and that's why I think the media has such an upper, upper hand because they know the people are lazy. Let's just call it the way it is. <laughs> They're not going to look for it themselves. <laughs> You're right. But what we said in the past, they believed us. Well, we're going to say today they will believe us also. Now, let us not be lazy, <laughs> right? And the, 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 the Word of God also teaches us that even elect will be deceived. deceived. Yep. You see? Why? Because they're lazy to go look for the truth. Right. Because now, we, now you have sermons being taken away, taken out from, from YouTubes and from mm -hmm. other channels. Nobody is preparing the sermons. Very few prepare their own sermons now, right? Right. How much, how much more deception that's going to bring? And I think what you're saying is, and this is applies to war in Ukraine and everything, every every facade of our lives. We have, we cannot be biased. The truth is not biased. Think about this: the truth is not biased. Just because someone tell you told you the truth yesterday, does not necessarily mean that they're telling you the truth today. No. So we have to approach every single situation with a new mindset, being non-biased towards it. The truth, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah, unfortunately, our, our Western culture is very, um, very taken by the comfortable Christian life. Yes. Which, which doesn't require work. Because we come on Sunday morning and we sit in a church and somebody speaks to us and we check that box that we went and did our faithful duty and we go home and we live our life through the week as comfort Christians that are um, in compromise with the world. And what we've been talking about is not being compromising, not being partakers in the lie of the world, but working to understand and know the truth. And that doesn't fit the Christian, the comfortable Christian model. Yep. And so as you were saying, Grant, that number, I, my, I was wrong for so many years because I thought, oh, we're just going to have all these people. I know they're Christians. They're all going to walk through the gates together. And the more I studied, the more I understood that it's a very lonely road. And and you, you can be sitting in a church with, you know, 2,000 people and maybe three people in there are really on the right road. And that scared me when I learned that because I wanted to make sure that I'm not following a lie. And I think that all, all of us need to be looking at that and, and trying to understand what, what we're following from other people's words, right? What, what truth are we following? Is it a little T or is it a big T? Yeah. 
Big T truth is what's important. The little T, not so much. Anybody can make up their own truth, but doesn't make it real. Yes. But these folks that are going through what they're going through in the Ukraine and living in these these subways and tunnels underground and, and finding God in the dark with a stranger because all of their hope has been taken and now they're given, being given hope because Christ is being preached to them, that's not fake. That's right. That's somebody that has reached the bottom and they have no more, they're not checking a box. Yeah. They have no no will left to resist him. Yes. And so we have to mentally get to the point where we're just not going to worry about being the comfortable Christian anymore. And we have to start do, living that Christ, what he told us. He laid this out very easily for us in, in, in the Beatitudes. We, we have eight different elements that we are to emulate. And I, I'm, I fear that not very many people emulate them. Hmm. You know, are we peacemakers? Are we meek? Right. I right. mean, where where do you fit in that group? Because Jesus said, if you want to find me, that's where you look. And if you can't be found in one of those, is he going to recognize you? Or is he going to look at you and say, depart from me? Those are harsh words. But that's the truth. And we yeah. have to get over in this Western culture of thinking that the church is a building. Absolutely. We have to get it in our hearts and our minds that we are the church. And if you're individually, you are not guilty of being one of those people that Christ called out as being where to look for him, then you're wrong. Listen, let me tell you, in Ukraine right now, the subway is a church. The trenches in the field is the church. Yep. The uh, bomb shelters is, is a church. Because that's the word of God is being preached. Right. And praise God. Praise the Lord that he is showing his presence with miracles. You know, I just, I, I heard the other day somebody was saying that, yes, I believe in miracles, but I only believe what people do to other people. <laughs> that is so wrong. Because, you know, we are not looking for the miracles. We're not looking what God is doing. I mean, miracles on a battlefield, that would, that's what we're talking about. We can go countless, countless things, how God shows up, how he stops bullets, how he tells the guys to to rise up in the middle of the night from one. I'm uh, going to ask you to tell me a couple of these yeah, stories. Yeah, a couple of oh, these stories are amazing. I love these stories. Amazing stories. Let me tell you something. This is directly from, from soldiers and from directly from the battlefield. This is not news outlets uh, telling us, you know, this is uh, real stories. You know, we, we hear that... Uh, you know, this young man was sleeping in, in, in a trench, um, and uh, the Lord just, you know, nudged him to wake up. And uh, and, to, and and he moved uh, about 20, 25 feet away. And as soon as he moved, about 15 minutes later, there's a bomb exploded right where he was laying. Uh, amazing. And um, so there, there's a couple of good stories that I want to share with you guys. Um, so there's this one amazing story. So... Uh, there's a young man, he was um, a preacher's uh, son with a small little church outside Kiev. And uh, he calls his father and he says, Father, I just want to call and 
say my goodbyes because we got uh, our little tiny platoon of seven people. We're surrounded by um, 300 Russian soldiers, and um, <clears throat> and we will not survive because we're sitting in this building, and they are just shelling us and 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 just shooting nonstop. But the father says, "Son, we have a bigger God." I'm going to call my entire congregation right now, which was very, very small, small church, and we're going to fervently pray. And they did that. So the pastor says about five hours, six hours later, he says, his son calls. He says, Father, you will not believe what just, just happened. So what happened, son? He says, our God came through. He says, we received this supernatural boldness, all seven of us, and uh, they just went out with guns blazing. And those seven young men destroyed the, the army of 300. And when they were done, these six men turned to, to, to this young man and said, you know, I want to know your God. <laughs> we want to know your God. So that's how our God is being preached in those kind of dire situations, situations that look like there is no return, no, no way out. And... Uh, you know, it's praise God because He shows up, and, uh, and you know, as long as, as long as we proclaim His name and and uh, you know believe unto Him, there was another one, another woman who told the story that it was down in a small village, and the Russian forces came in to started pulling people out because right now, <clears throat> as we speak, there's about sixteen to twenty thousand people that were taking um, not POWs but just taking they call it slavery because they take civilians to Russia on buses and they harvest their organs and they use their blood to donate to their wounded soldiers. So they, they, they bleed them dry to death, sucking all the blood out of them. Sounds like what China's doing. Uh, well, I don't know about China, but this is what Russia is doing. Oh, well, I'm just saying so, that maybe they learned it from them. Uh, they, that's what Nazis did. They learned from directly from them. Mm. Um, so they, around, they were rounding up the civilians to come outside and they were marching them through the streets and putting them in the buses under the gunpoint. And this one lady who was a believer, she came out, she stood there and she started praying, fervently praying. And uh, she saw these two young girls walking by and she just grabbed them because they were crying. And she said all of a sudden, but uh, some time passed by all those troops went by with rallying all the other people, and she left standing by herself. She said, just as if no one saw me standing there. It was just a supernatural action. Nobody said even a word to her. They just went, all went past by her. Isn't that amazing? After standing. Isn't that amazing? So we definitely hear some amazing, amazing stories, and I know when the war is going to be over, there's got to be a ton of different uh uh, stories like that. So do me a favor, tell the story about the bullet. <laughs> but the bullet, yes, there was a young man that was telling us a story that uh, literally he saw, he, he heard a gunshot as he actually he was praying and he opened his eyes and he literally saw a bullet was coming right to, into his forehead and stopped and just fell down right in front of him. 
And people don't believe miracles still people happen. People don't believe miracles. So God, I think, has, um, unfortunately, in this tragic situation, I think he can use this as an opportunity for the world to see him in action again and to create greater faith in the world amongst the people that will believe. Because what I'm hearing is bold faith is coming from there, and we need bold faith. I think uh, we need, it's time to get rid of the weak T faith and get bold. Yes. I think also, you know, as we're nearing the last days, the closer and closer we get, the dark gets darker, mm-hmm. and it is, and we see this happening in this war. Mm-hmm. But yet the light gets brighter. You know, the glory of God, something that maybe our forefathers and 100 years ago only could talk about here and there, um, but we see this more and more and more. So, and to me, it's vividly, it's, it's almost like, like a sheet of paper being ripped in half and one is black, one is white. And as you can see, one is getting darker and darker and the other one is getting brighter and brighter. I believe that God will not allow the darkness to have the land stands. Oh, no. As we all read the end of the book. We all know where this is going, right? (laughs) (laughs) There is definitely a way. They will eventually see him come riding on a horse, Mm -hmm. and uh, they'll know (laughs) that it's all over. And, you know, Satan knows his time is short. Right. So he's got to ratchet this game up now, right? Because he's running out of time. Yes. Right. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think that's what you got. That's what was being seen in Ukraine now is what the whole world can expect. Yes, I believe so. I uh, mean, we're not shocked that this is happening. Obviously, I did not want to see that in my home country, but I'm not shocked because Jesus said that, that in less days you will see that, you will, that there will be wars and rumors of war. And this is what we're seeing. And I don't think this is the last one either. No. And, you know, I, I, I'm one of those people, I, I firmly believe that we're in the last 50 years of this earth. And so it's final only, stretch. We're only going to get worse every single year. Yeah, yeah. And and the word is written a couple couple thousand years ago of exactly what's happening now and what's about to happen, and we we can't ignore it and we can't uh, pretend that it's not going to be real because we know as believers we're not to be surprised, right? Yes. He said, "Look up and do not be surprised. The world will be surprised." But you should not be. That doesn't mean that we're not going to be sad about it as it happens, because it's very yeah. sad. I mean, we're still pe- people with emotions and feelings and uh, our thoughts. But yes, at the end of the day, we come back and we know what the scripture says and what Jesus foretold. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, I appreciate you coming and talking to us today. It was, I think it's important for people to understand a big picture of what's going on over there and how it impacts the world and where we're headed because many of us that are alive today will get to experience this, unfortunately, in our own time. 
and and you know they're seeing some of the the ugliness of human nature and it won't be the last yeah and we have to do everything we can to be supportive of those people and and pray for them um this is definitely something that anybody can do is to pray yes and and the prayer of the saints that has a mighty charge absolutely And, and if you believe and you you join us in prayer then that will all be added as a sweet incense on the altar of heaven, and Amen. and God will act because He does that for His people. He loves His people, and He can protect people, and He can make miracles happen, like we're seeing over there. And mm. I know that our prayer group prays for Ukraine every day, um, and I know that there are a lot of other groups that are doing the same thing. And I and I believe that those prayers are heard, and that then yes. and God acts on them. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's our weapon. Um, is the prayer. So uh, the, God acts upon our prayers. Absolutely. Well, you got any parting thoughts before we uh, call it a day, sir? I just want to encourage the listeners, you know, just to be vigilant, uh, discerning of things, um, and searching for the truth. You know, I, I will never forget one day when I was reading and Jesus was uh, before Pilate and... Um, you know, Pilate asked, what is the truth? And the interesting thing, it's um, the truth was standing right in front of him, and he could not discern it. Hmm. So let us not be those pilots that the truth will be staring us in the face and we will not know what, that, what it is. Right. So I just wanted to encourage everyone to search for it. Do not take someone, someone's word for it, but search for yourself because it's out there. Always seek the motivation of the person speaking, right? That is very true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do appreciate you so much coming on again. And and like I said, you're welcome to come back anytime. I hope you can continue to keep us updated on what's going on. And and I look forward to hearing great uh, victorious news coming out of Ukraine because of God's actions and the people's faith. There we go. So this has been a Veritas Resurgence broadcast, and today on A Voice Coming to the Wilderness, we've been talking with Oleg, and we've been talking about uh, the country of Ukraine and the, the suffering that they're going through, and the heroes like uh, Irina and and this young man that is rescuing people in his bus and, and taking them from harm's way. So if you liked what you heard, please take a moment and subscribe to our podcast, and don't forget to visit our new website at vrbroadcast.org, where you can find more teaching and ask questions of the show and our guests. Also find us on Facebook at A Voice Calling in the Wilderness and do us a favor, recommend the podcast to your friends and family. Again, thank you for listening and have a blessed day.